Hi everyone, Wynn Claybaugh here. I had the honor of interviewing Redken master artist Ruth Roach right after she was named Hairstylist of the Year by the North American Hairstyling Awards. Although she has worked with world-famous celebrities, achieved countless accolades, led a successful New York City salon, and educated thousands of her peers and budding hairstylists, Ruth is humble, natural, funny, and she's nice. And she generously shares the wisdom she gained with anyone who wants to learn. This interview touched on topics far beyond the beauty industry, including the importance of nurturing relationships, taking care of yourself, saying yes to opportunities, getting out of a rut, creating your life, and having your dream. I hope you'll enjoy this podcast and share it with your friends. Then sign up for our mailing list at mastersbywinclaybot.com. Masters is also available on your favorite podcast platforms. Now, please enjoy my very dear friend, Ruth Roach. Hi, everybody. This is Wynn Claypaw. I am in Las Vegas. Last night was the Naha Awards, North American Hairstyling Awards. Uh, Cosmoprof is going on, and so this entire hotel is just buzzing with every superstar. And, uh, you know, most people show up to these events and they can't wait to enter classrooms, and I just can't wait to drag people back to my hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> to get a master's interview. <laughs> By the that, hair. Exactly. And that's, <laughs> and that's what I did. And so, you know, you guys are all going to love me being subscribers of Masters that you get to listen to these incredible people. But I'm sitting here with Ruth Roach. Ruth, welcome again to Masters. Thank you. I, I was so excited when you asked me to do this because um, I didn't want to be forgotten about. No, I'm <laughs> 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 No, was, I was, I'm really honored. Thank you for asking me to do this. Well, I, I have to take you back. Um, I don't know if you remember this, but the first time I interviewed you was in 1998, and it was the night that you won Naha Stylist of the Year, which yes. is the biggie. Yes. I mean, because there's avant-garde categories, there's color category, there's a makeup category, but the biggie, the one that you want to win, the one that they announced at the very, very end is Stylist of the Year, and you won it in 1998, and I was smart enough, like I just had this feeling that you were going to win. You didn't even know who I was, did you? I knew who you were, but I didn't know you. But I set up the interview in advance. Yeah. It's not like you won and then I ran up there and said, hey, come right. to my hotel room. I set it up in advance so yeah. that after you won the award, so you know what? I mean, here we are. Oh my gosh. That many years later, over 10 years later, and you're still kicking it. You're still <laughs> doing phenomenal things in the beauty industry. You're still a mentor to many people, and just the chatting that we've done prior to starting the recording just makes me very, very proud and happy that you're still very, very involved in the beauty industry. So, Ruth, welcome again to Masters. Thank you. Just to give our listeners more information, the first time that you won Naha, not that this is all about Naha, but Naha is it's a way to measure, right? It's kind of a, a way to uh, document your career mm -hmm. and your success and your progress, and people then take notice. But it was Naha last night, so we talk about that. First time you won was in 1995. You won avant-garde. You won that same award again in 2000. And then in 2003, you won Master Stylist of the Year. And, and the reason why that's a pretty prestigious category is because you have to be invited to enter mm -hmm. that category. So last night, Brian and Sandra Smith won, which yes. was so cool. Yes. Love them. I mean, the, the Doves have won that. Vivian McKinder has won that category before. And so you're right up there with a very, very small select group of people, and you've won that award. Actually, you were telling me that you, as a salon team, entered this year. Yes. You were telling me a little story. I, I asked you if you would repeat that little story. Oh, sure. Well, I have um, I've had the salon for about six years, and I've been trying to integrate what I do out in the field into the salon because it's a different world in the salon every mm -hmm. day. So this year we decided to enter team, the team category. I've never done a shoot with my team. They've assisted me at my shoots. So we did it and, and it was a beautiful shoot. It went really well. You know, we pulled it off. We did amazing, you know, hair and all of that. And we entered and, and, you know, we were really excited because we loved the collection and we loved what was going on. And so the day that they were calling people to notify them of being a finalist, 
as the day went on and we didn't get a phone call, <laughs> everybody's like face got a little longer and, you know, a little more, well, maybe it's, they're in California, so it's New York. Maybe, you know, we just kept coming up with all these things. And then eight o'clock rolled around, which is five LA time or, you know, still hadn't heard anything. So basically we didn't place as finalists. And one of my stylists was like, you know, well, that sucks. You know, that we really, you know, I mean, come on. And I was like, I <laughs> those said, idiots. Yeah, they don't know what they're talking about. And I was like, do you know, have you looked at the people that did place as finalists? Because there is some amazing work. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting to me for someone, I've been a finalist, I don't even know how many times, and not one. And I've entered a few times and not placed as a finalist. So you just never know. And, and it's part of growing. Can and, I ask you something? That, yeah. that, that particular stylist, was this her first time entering? Yes. Yep. <laughs> but she just assumed that she should get it. Right. Because, you know, I've won before. So therefore, you know. Yeah. yeah. Right. So it was it was good for me, too. It was a, you know, a humbling experience to just kind of go, okay, you know, we didn't place as finalists. Right. Oh, well. You know, are we going to give up and never do it again? Or are right. we going to try again next year? I mean, that in itself is a great message. How many people there last night said that they, well, I entered, I entered, I entered, I entered, I entered, I entered. Yeah. And then I finally got noticed. Yeah. Huh. And I think that... You know, it's more about the entering and being a part of it and acknowledging your own success just as actually completing a a collection to enter Mm -hmm. and then to enter and then to become a finalist and to win is, you know, unfortunately, there aren't that many spots for the winners, you know, there's uh, three or four finalists and one winner. Yeah. So it's like you just kind of have to all ride the ride all the way along, you know, the butterflies and then, oh, I'm not going to make it, you know, and, and all that stuff. But it all counts and you have to celebrate all of it, you know. The whole journey is not just about whether you got the accolade or not. Yeah. James Morrison tells the joke, how many hairdressers does it take in the salon to teach a haircut? A hundred. Mm-hmm. One to do the cut and 99 to stand there and say, oh, I could do that. <laughs> And that's the attitude that some people have about like entering Naha. Right. Like, well, I could do that, but you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> do yeah. it. I can't remember who it was, but somebody said they don't enter Naha because they can't afford to lose. They can't afford to be seen losing because their reputation was too important. I've heard that before too. Yeah. You know that, I guess that's one way of approaching it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Safe. Yeah. <laughs> and that hasn't really been your style. No. No. I think it gives people more courage to see that there are, I don't even want to call it failures, but it's, you know, there are disappointments right. and then there's, you know, exciting times and it's all of those things that make you the strongest person, you know. A c- couple of years ago, I don't know if you remember this, but you were standing in front of a, a group, it was actually Beacon. You were standing in front of a bunch of Beacon students. Remember I dragged you in and yeah. you, you spoke, right? I went in willingly. You didn't drag me in. Okay. That's, well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but the cool thing I loved about your presentation was you talked about your first photo shoot. Wasn't it like in the back of a Chinese restaurant in Santa Barbara or something like that, right? Yeah, it was next to my salon. It was in a Chinese restaurant. The thing I loved about it was you showed the images. See, because now people say, oh, well, Ruth Roach, every image she produces and has always produced, you know, since birth is beautiful, beautiful work that wins awards and receives accolades and gets printed in top magazines. And that's not always the case. And I loved it because you really, you sent out such this fabulous, strong message. But the message you sent out was... Okay, that image really sucked, and mm-hmm. Ruth did it, so mm-hmm. I, I should try. I should try. <laughs> yeah. Because I yeah. get these emails all the time, you know, uh, from either brand new people in the industry, hey, when I really want to do photography, I'm so passionate about doing hair and makeup for photography. I'm mm-hmm. like, cool. How many photo shoots have you done? Well, I haven't done any yet. Yeah. Because nobody's hired me yet. Yeah, because right. cameras are so hard to find these yeah. days, you know? Like, <laughs> you know, I mean, like, Kevin Aquan was his first model, Naomi Campbell. Right. It was his sister. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, grab a camera. Everybody's got a camera and do the work. Yeah, but. even if it's nothing that's going to get published, it teaches you how to see what the camera sees and start to learn about, you know, what makes a look a look. You might think it looks great in, when you're staring at it, you know, in person, but you shoot it on film and it looks like something else, you know, mm. or it looks better sometimes. Mm. But many times it looks flat compared to what you think it's going to look like. So, right. you know, it's just good to see what you get, too. Well, your career obviously is not only about creating an image, photography, and entering competitions. Uh, Ruth 
has a very successful salon and academy in New York called Rare NYC, which I, I've always liked your name. <laughs> you have an agent, so you do freelance work. Mm-hmm. The cool thing about the industry, you can have like 10 jobs. You have about 10 jobs. Yeah. So you're in the salon, but you're also traveling. You have your own educational program within your salon. But you, with this agent, you're doing freelance work. You're mm-hmm. doing TV commercials. Mm-hmm. You're doing celebrity hair. Like, are you able to say like which commercials you did? Yeah. I actually did a TV commercial for Head and Shoulders. Okay. <laughs> And I don't know if it's okay to say that because it's, you know, it's, it's not work. a work. Well, I okay. mean, somebody mm-hmm. has to do it. See, that's what's so yeah. funny is people think, well, I can't do session work because I don't live in New York or Los Angeles. Right. In Wichita, Kansas, there are local businesses who hire a local photographer, a local hairdresser, a local stylist, a yeah. local makeup artist to create their local ad. Yep. Lots of times. Even yeah. here in Vegas, like a lot of the ads that are up for the boutiques and things, you know, and for Gucci or whatever, those are local models oh I didn't know that yeah I mean I so even for huge names like that yeah like for the stores their ads for the stores here so I noticed that as I was walking around well people are fascinated by the the world of doing freelance session work so what's so doing a TV commercial like Head and Shoulders what's that like does it pay really well I mean it pays really well TV commercials pay well and you get paid one time or you keep on getting paid no you don't get royalties at at least in my case um and the production company is who hires you okay so the director has to okay you like the director gets the final pick of who the person is right and the production company is who decides whether or not you get to do it but what was the coolest thing for me was i always when i turn my clients around in the chair at the end and i show them their hair at the salon i put my hand underneath their hair if it's long and I do the motion, the slow motion, so the hair looks like it's falling and the shine is just amazing. And I'm like, uh, even at the end, I say, okay, you ready for the Pantene commercial? <laughs> wait, wait, did you, did you do that on the commercial? No, I, I digress. I'm sorry. Okay. I, I was talking about the commercial, but then I was talking about the slow motion. Right, right, There's right. a point to it. Got the it, slow motion. Right. And my clients get disappointed if I don't do that. And I go, ooh, oh, ah, it's slow motion. That was great. Yeah. So I got to actually finally do that where the, you know, the model shakes her head and they show it in slow motion. I'm shaking my head back and forth right now with my eyes closed, just right. so you guys know. And the hair just, you know, flows and it's shiny. And right. I just, I love that I got to do that, wow. you know, and I got to do a Victoria's Secret campaign. Oh, that's got to be huge. It was huge. Wow. I was, I, I come up to their waist on the set. So they right. have to like squat <laughs> so I can reach the top of their hair, you know, and then the fan, you know, the whole, it's like they started the wind in the hair right. stuff. Right. So, you know, I've got the fan and I'm like, you know, making sure I got it at the right angle and. Oh, so was that a print campaign or a TV commercial? It was a print. It was print. A print. Yeah, I've done. And how many models was that? A catalog or just one? It was catalog, and it was um, Adriana. That pays really well, right? Yeah, it was pretty good. It wasn't yeah. as much as you would think because and, it wasn't an ad campaign. And how many models would you be doing that day? We did for... two models each day. We had Adriana Lima, Alessandra, and Miranda, the Australian one. And so... how much of their hair are you doing? Did you? Cut and color no, their no, hair? No. You just styled their you hair? Styled it, yep. Okay. Yep. So you just okay. dress it for the day and get it wind blowable. <laughs> so who's cut and coloring their hair? Um, probably different people all over right. the place because they travel so much, you know? Right. I know that like in LA, Chris McMillan does a lot of the celebrities and right. in New York, Oscar Blondie does a lot of the, the people. Right. Uh, he's also with my agency. Right. So it's kind of like the cut and color thing is separate from the editorial work a lot of the time you know it's two different sort of worlds as far as going to a shoot on a set and then getting their color and cut done so So. when you're working as a session hairdresser they're not hiring you to come to the set to cut and color hair that was done someplace else yes for the most part yep i think this is good information because most people think like i love color well if all you're ever going to do is session work you're really not going to do a lot of color no or cutting or cutting yeah it's mainly just Styling. styling hair that's it not that so, I want to get off track here, yeah. but could you do a little shout out? If, if you were to, your Queen Ruth, having to evaluate hairdressers in general with their ability and their skills for finishing hair, what kind of a score would you give them? Um, a three. Yeah, it's not very good, is yeah, it? Yeah, it's not good. Would you like um, to send a little message out? Learn how to do everything. Everything. Finger waves, roller sets, comb outs, like those things... Roller sets and comb outs and finger waves and setting hair, 
I might not ever do that now, but your dexterity and learning how hair moves and how to get it to look like it's moving, even if it's staying still, you know, those kind of things, being able to get volume in hair for, especially for pictures, right. uh, for photographs, because everything looks flatter on Got film it. than it does in person. So yeah, if you can't dress hair, you're never going to make it in that world. Mm. You know, you might be able to do messy hair and that's it. But if you can't do Veronica Lake hair and, you know, 1920s stuff and set hair in different ways and create beautiful shapes, which is all hairdressing, okay. you know, that's what it's all about. It has nothing to do with really what you do behind the chair. Can I ask you a question? So you have an agent. So obviously the agent's job is to sell you. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then you said that the person who's... It's a production company that's making the decision as to whether or not they're going to hire you. Why would they choose you? What are the qualities that they're looking for? It's different. You know, like for television, for example, it is a production company and they want to look at your overall body of work to see if you're going to fit in. And one of the, the interesting things that I found out too is being like a Naha, you know, hairdresser's hairdresser and doing like avant-garde, edgy things. You know, if you don't have something simple in your portfolio, like a nice smooth blowout, they're never going to hire you to do a catalog job because they think you're going to make everyone look like, you know, they have sticks on their head or whatever. Wow. Yeah, it's really interesting to, to me. Like just to have pretty simple hair in your portfolio is very, very important. But anyway. That's interesting because I think most people think in my portfolio, it's got to be just, you know, the extreme. Yeah, no, not at all. It's wow. the opposite. Huh. And an agent doesn't really care about hair shot so much as if you can be a part of the picture and part of the team as opposed to it just being about the hair. Well, I've heard that from several successful session hairdressers that mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it's not about you. Yeah. I mean, you're part of a team. There's a photographer, you know, there's a whole crew with lighting and everything else. Yeah. There's a wardrobe stylist, there's a makeup artist, and of course, there's the celebrity or the model. Yep. And, and sometimes there's a client and the client could be the magazine editor or whatever. Or the client right. could be the major, you know, it could be Pepsi or, right. or Pantene or whoever, right? right? Yeah. And so for the hairdresser to now all of a sudden have all this ego or to be a prima donna, you're basically the last person who should have that. Yes. And usually you have the most stress because hair is the most, out of all those elements, it's the thing that keeps changing. You know, it falls down. It, it separates on the shoulder every time the model turns their head. So the makeup's you know? not changing, but their hair right. is... Oh. So you're running around like a freak, you know? And I fall down and trip and stuff all the time. <laughs> I've knocked over huge lights. Oh, <laughs> Oh. Anyway, so people that work with me more than once, they kind of know that that's my style. I've never had a boring experience with Ruth Roach. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, like, like look at this right now. Like, every yeah. time we get together, it's... Well, last night, Ruth was on stage. She was one of the MCs for the night. And every time you came out, the whole audience perked up. Oh, good, Ruth is back. <laughs> because you make it fun. And I'm just wondering how much of, of that plays into the fact that you would get hired. Like, how much of your personality and the fact that... If it is a stressful, and it is stressful because there's yeah. huge budgets, and if you run late, that's very expensive. Yes. The fact that somebody like you can come along and lighten the mood, how much yeah. does that plays into it? Well, it's interesting that you ask that because I have so much confidence in our industry and being on stage and all that stuff, and sometimes in the, the session work or the editorial, the advertising, I'm the, a different person. You know, I get more insecure sometimes, you know, I want everyone to be happy. And I've had people say to me so many times, I don't want, you know, we don't want hair show hair. Meanwhile, what does that mean? You know, so then what, I you think I have a big butt. What yeah, did you just yeah. say? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> so yeah, it's like, and then I pull back sometimes and I don't do as much as I want to do because I'm afraid they're going to think it's hair show hair. Meanwhile, you know, I see this editorial work in magazines and it's like, that's what I do. So, you know, it's wow. a whole different world of navigating sort of what people like. And oh, I got to say this because this is my big joke is, you know, someone will go, oh, that's very editorial. And I asked a stylist, a fashion stylist, I said, Eric, and I love him. He's really funny. I go, what the hell does editorial mean? What does that mean? And he was like, mm, well, it's, you know, nobody can really answer it. <laughs> I've asked so many people, and there's really no definition, because I've always wondered that myself, yet I'm doing it somehow, huh. <laughs> and I don't even know what it is. <laughs> but I guess what it is is hair that's not so contrived, you okay. know, uncontrived, you know, beautiful shapes, things that go with the story, you mm. know, that are more edgy, so. Is there a lot of product used when you're doing 
Is, uh, or is it minimal product? It depends on the look, but yeah. yes, it's definitely minimal product. And right. um, I usually use something for a lot of body, like some kind of mousse or some kind of spray gel. And then not much hairspray, um, you know, because once you spray it a lot, you're done. You know, you can't really change and it. And if they want another look, you got to shampoo and stuff yeah. over and that ain't going to happen. And you can't because no, right. most of the time there's no shampoo. Yeah, there's right. no stuff like that. So. Well, so I, and we'll get to this, but you build a clientele in a salon. Mm-hmm. What does it look like to build a clientele, so to speak, so that these production companies and these clients want to hire Ruth back? You mean to build them as clients? Yeah. You need to be available, you know, and I think that's... You can't say no too many times, and that's one of the challenges I've had as a salon owner and working behind the chair is you have to be available, yet your salon or your your behind-the-chair business, your book of business, is your bread and butter. So to balance the two, I think, can be difficult sometimes. But for me, like you asked how it was to be on a set, I think my favorite experience so far is doing television commercials because you're with, like, the union guys, you know, and the camera guys and the grips and... You know, it's like a, you know, they have a big thing that rolls the camera around, like, you know, you see on movies about movies right. being made. Right. And um, it's just cool because it's a whole different, and it's instant. You get to see the playback right away, huh. you know, and um, it's very cool. So. Where were those what, filmed? A lot of them, I've been at Silver Cup Studios. in that? um It's Long Island City. Okay. Which is actually just over the bridge in Manhattan. Okay. Uh, outside of Manhattan. And that's where they film all the TV shows like Sex and the City and okay. just tons of shows get filmed there. Hmm. So it's a huge soundstage, huge studios, and they build sets. And Not that fun. you're a name dropper because you're not, but what celebrity clients do I have with? worked with... And I'm only asking I, to share that with so that our listeners can think, oh, well, if Ruth did it, I yeah. can do it too. Yeah. And I am the same insecure person that I am when I'm doing celebrities as I am, you know, when I'm doing everything I do because I always want to make sure that it's really good. Right. So you never know. So <laughs> they don't tell you. <laughs> you never know. I well, most recently I've been working with Mariah Carey, and let's see who else. I love her. Yeah, she. That's pretty amazing to to work with her because I'm, you know, you can psych yourself out and then you get really nervous because like you're like, oh my god, this is Mariah Carey. I better not screw up. Are you you're coloring her hair? Just styling it. Styling it. Yeah, right. for events. And then I did her for a red carpet event for the first time, and that was pretty cool because wow. I was I got to travel in the group to the event, you know. So I felt like really important, wow. you know. And I had my huge session bag, and I felt like such an idiot because everyone else had brought just a few things to touch up. <laughs> I'm right. Oh, typical. So anyway. Um, you didn't knock yeah, anything over, did you? Almost. Okay. Because we did a thing for, like, Access Hollywood or whatever. And right. there was, yeah, I tripped on a couple cords. Okay. So anyway. Okay. <laughs> Who else have I? Oh, I worked with Mariska Hargitay for quite a while from mm-hmm. Law & Order. I love her. And I worked with Angie Harmon recently. Oh, Jessica Zor, one of the Gossip Girls. Mm-hmm. I worked with her quite a bit. And Sharon Stone, Sheryl Crow. Okay, I also I left this part out. So um, you actually were the global artistic director for Redkin for several years. Mm-hmm. And prior to that, you worked with uh, Trevor Sorby yeah. as artistic director. Again, you have 10 jobs. Yes. So you pursue the salon, not just working in the salon, you're a salon owner mm-hmm. still with the clientele. And doing education, you know, building your own name and your own brand. Yeah. But you have really pursued education. Like, is there something about education that you just love? It's my first love, for sure. Like, I, I did that before I opened a salon. And I opened my salon without any clients. Word to the wise. Not that I'm wise, but don't do that. <laughs> don't. <laughs> don't open a salon with no clients. It worked. And six years later, you know... We've got this clientele because I came from the education world. I hadn't been working behind a chair very much. I had like five clients, you know. Oh, that's not enough to open a store. Not really, okay. no. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> but I did have someone who started with me who was a color specialist. And okay. so his clients were some of, you know, became cut clients of mine and, okay. you know, so on and so on. But, right. you know, it was a pretty gutsy thing to do. But that's sort of my style, you know. It's like, whatever, you know, we'll figure it out. I say ready, fire, aim. Yeah, exactly. And, which I love the philosophy, but you know, more and more, or a lot of times, it's really not the best philosophy it's to not. have. You know, you need to aim a little bit and plan a little bit. But I'm just like ready, fire. Now we we better figure this thing yeah, out. Yeah, yep. And that's kind of with my salon. It's been a real growth process, personally and professionally. Just 
running a business and managing people is a whole nother skill set. It's a whole... Is it more difficult than you imagined that yes. it was going to be? Yes. I mean, I love people and I'm a natural leader, but that doesn't make me a manager. It's a, I think it's a different skill. What's the difference right. between leading and managing? Well, managing is like I'm on to the next thing all the time and I'm like positive and I'm excited and and so for me the So you're the, like the visionary yeah. follow me this yeah. is exciting. Well, That's now we're going to do this. Oh wait, it. now we're going to do that and you know kind of I need a manager is someone who stays on track on purpose. Wear the right follows shoes through. today. Yeah, follows through, follows up with the team. Right. You know, that's where I really have tried to get more consistent because I'm oh. all over the map, you know. And so throughout the year and the other thing I wanted to say is I could not have done this without the right people around me, mm -hmm. you know, and people that support and believe in the vision that I have that are willing to work really hard, mm -hmm. you know, and like you were speaking about with the Beacon group about the visionaries always saying yes, showing up early, staying late, you know, just doing whatever it takes. Those are the kind of people that I love to have around me because they inspire me to be better. You know, and then you want to be better for them because they're so supportive of you, you know, so that I wouldn't be able to do what I've done without those kind of people around me. Well, I'm going to get into this in a little bit. You shared with me earlier that some of your passion now is to really start working with students and everything. But I love your stories in the very, very beginning because some of the people that you chose as mentors in the very beginning, i.e. Vivian McKinder, you know, are these, you know, beautiful, skinny gracious <laughs> skinny you know, <laughs> yep you know with a lovely british accent yeah and i remember you telling stories that that's what you tried to duplicate yeah. that's what you tried to become yes i did i remember because vivian to me was just like the epitome of grace and style and oh. talent and you know i was just i just thought oh my god she is that's who i want to be and i would try to be the American version of that, but I'm short. I'm, you know, built for having children. <laughs> and I'm American, you know? I'm never going to have a British accent. I always, you know, it's like she's Grace Kelly and I'm Lucille Ball trying to be Grace Kelly. You know, it's just not... So embracing who I am, you know, and finding that person, finding my own feet as an educator and on stage and, you know, Trevor Sorby really gave me that chance, you know. I started doing blowouts for him on stage, you know, and then little by little he gave me more and more responsibility on stage. And, and I remember when it started to be where, I remember the first time an audience laughed when I said something. And I was like, ooh, you know, they actually liked what I said. You know, that whole like, I'm on stage with Trevor Sorby and they're actually also interested in what I'm saying. That's pretty cool. Wow. You know, it was like one of those moments where I thought, holy cow, how lucky am I, you know? So. How hard have you had to work for the opportunities and the positions that you have? I have worked really hard. Okay, so let's start with, say, like being an artistic director for Trevor Sorby. Mm -hmm. How hard did you have to work for that? Really hard. I was with them for nine years, and when I first started on the team, I barely had, I'd only been doing hair for like three and a half years. And I'd never done a demonstration, and so I had the no knowledge of how to do a presentation, how to cut hair and talk at the same time, you know, how to represent a product line that I was just learning about, you know, working for one of the greatest hairdressers in the world, representing him. So going through this training, I was just a mess, you know? I was crying all the time. <laughs> Vivian was our trainer for a lot of it, and, you know, you just want to make people happy. I'm one of those kind of people that I just want them to be... I don't want to let them down, right. you know, especially because I'm representing someone and their name. So I had a lot of falling on my face and crying and, you know, thank God that Trevor saw something in me, you know, because he, for some reason, kept me around. <laughs> and he said, you know, you're the greenest one that I have, wow. you know, and there was only three of us in the beginning. So, you know, little by slowly, you know, it was the hair challenge, learning how to be a precision hair cutter. You know, going back and learning that foundation, which I had never had, learning how to do presentations, and learning the product line and how to represent a person and their culture and their product line all mm. at the same time. So it was a lot going on for me. And uh, I also lost my mother. She passed away right at the same time. So it was like, it was probably a good thing that I had that training because I threw myself into it. That's the first, I would say, three years or so I was with Trevor. 
it was like, oh my God, this is so hard. I just want to have people clap for me at least once, you know? <laughs> and they did, you know what I'm saying? But I just, yeah. I had Vivian and Trevor to compare myself to, right. you know, and I wanted to be that crazy. I mean, right. that good and that respected. So anyway, and then I became the team uh, trainer for the U.S. And how it came about that I was the team trainer, I remember we were at this huge training. And up until this point, I'd been pretty shy about expressing my opinion or, you know, taking charge of anything. And so we had this associate artist audition slash training where they were going through the ropes and having to do a presentation at the end. And there was like 35 of them. And we were in this ballroom. And it was time for them to do their long hair test. You know, and then we had mannequins. So, you know, those hot dogs and donuts that they put inside of updos, you know, to give them, <laughs> you should see Wynn's face right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not a hairdresser, but I, and I, I, I was just picturing it. Hot dogs and donuts. I was like, they... <laughs> so anyway, but those of you that have seen them, they're like, you know, these netted kind of cushiony thing. You put them inside a hair. So we had this huge box and everybody was supposed to get a donut and a hot dog, right? So I was on the panel of sort of judging and critiquing people and all that. So they all like put the box down and it was like, crazy people like vultures this big pile of people and donuts flying and hot dogs <laughs> flying and i went hey you know i just screamed and everybody just stopped and i went everybody cool it back away one at a time you know like i just got this entire group organized and lined up and i didn't know it was going to come out of me it just happened naturally <laughs> and i remember trevor turning around and looking at me like turning his head sideways and just kind of staring at me like whoa you know and that was when he noticed i had that kind of you know leadership ability and so he started put turning me in that direction oh. you know so it's out of panic that there was <laughs> going to be a big fight that you know <laughs> i you stepped up yeah wait how old were you then when you first started auditioning and trying to get on with trevor's company i was 23. oh you're young yeah so oh. i was 23 and uh yeah, it happened fast. So even then, winning Naha, how much work was that? That was, you know, I, I learned a lot about shooting because I assisted Trevor at every single shoot I could possibly shoot. And I would look at his eyes when he was looking at the person on set. I would look at his eyes to see what's he looking at. And I would look back and forth. What's he looking at? What's he looking at? And then I would watch him go over there and touch one piece of hair. And then I started to learn that's what he was looking at, that piece. Now I see why he moved it, you know, and I, I was just there. I, and when I say to people that are, you know, learning with me is come over here and look at it from my perspective. You're not going to see what I'm seeing sitting across the room or on the other side of what I'm doing. You're not going to experience what you would be experiencing if you did this. And so, and also when I'm teaching in hands-on, you know, people are so close to what they're doing, they can't see what they're doing and to back away, you know, and, you know, get perspective, use the mirror, all that stuff. It's so important to, to look from the perspective of the person who's helping you mm -hmm. and showing you things to see what the heck, you know, they see. So you so, had a great mentor. Yes. And that kind of helped Absolutely. you get your imagery down for winning major awards yeah at Naha. and I saw I probably was there for Trevor for at least five collections wow. so yeah and I was just I saw things I saw magic being mm -hmm. created and just learned sometimes less is a lot more you know and um, looking at what things go together as a collection you know how do you choose you know what makes it cohesive what's the thread that's running through it and my first Naha shoot I actually did with Mary Brunetti because I had just moved to New York to work with her at mm -hmm. her salon and she helped me. She basically kind of did most of the hair. <laughs> Do we want to keep this in here? I think I think they're going to come and take your award. <laughs> no, I didn't win. You're being, I didn't, oh, you didn't win. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't thought even we're think gonna, we were to strip you. No, we're no. Take your sash away from you. I didn't. I know. And then I'd be like on Us Weekly on the cover, you uh -huh. know, for no crown. shame. Yeah, uh -huh. total shame. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> you didn't win. Mary helped me, and I didn't win. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Mary. No. <laughs> So I had no, you know, that was the first time I did my own thing. And then I did another shoot after that and I pretty much copied. And that's not a bad thing to emulate someone else's work just to try, yeah. you know, and 
I got some cool pictures, but I didn't place. I entered that time too. And then the first time I shot with David Winterhalter, mm. I had done the look that I did at our team training when I had to become the artistic director. Trevor said, you have to show your team why you deserve to be artistic director. Everything that you do in the next three days has to be better than theirs. <laughs> you know? So I was like, okay, I'm going to go swallow my throat now, you right. know? And we had to do a hairpiece, you know, some kind of a creation that was part of the test. And I did this crazy, it was pretty cool. And I had never seen it before. And Trevor was so impressed with it. He was like blowing a blow dryer, like a fan in it. And he was, he was like, this is cool. You got to shoot it and you got to shoot it from the back. Look wow. at that. You got to shoot. And it was a mannequin head. He just had it on the end of his hand, holding it up, looking at it. So that I took those pieces and I actually shot that. And that was the first shot that I did with David. And we looked at the Polaroid and the, it was all Polaroid film still. There was no digital right. cameras. And I just got like my breath taken away. I was like, oh my God. God, you know, that is so cool. You and know, did you win? With I that did. One? That wow. was 98 when wow. I won. No, five. 95. When I won uh, Avant Garde. Wow. That was the first win. And Trevor was there that night mm -hmm. at my table. So that sure. was really cool. So he, he, Trevor was there for that. And my dad was there for Stylist of the Year. You know, so. And I remember Trevor and my dad met once. And my dad came to one of our shows. And, um, I was like choked up because they both introduced themselves to each other and Trevor said something like, I feel like I'm like her hair dad, you know, and um, oh, ugh, I get choked up best. just thinking about it. That's yeah. the best. So. I want to kind of switch gears here a little bit because uh, you shared with me something earlier that, um, that you became a non-smoker. Yeah. Recently. How long ago? Uh, two and a half years ago. I mean, obviously, there's a purpose for me wanting to ask that question. It's not just about promoting, you know, quitters and non-smokers. But um, I mean, here you are. You're successful. And yet you still got your little, I don't want to say demons, but yeah. you still got your stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think most creative-driven people, you know, have to battle with something, I mm -hmm. think. I mean, not, not everyone, but I'm definitely one of those people who tends towards excess shall we say <laughs> right. and smoking was my one thing that I did that just you know it makes you stop it makes your brain stop and just take a break for a minute and so when I quit I it was like I lost my friend I lost my what I thought was my friend which is really a big lie mm -hmm. but I had quit two other times and made it like 10 months I made it a year and a half and um so it it was definitely and I don't want to discourage anyone but it was the hardest thing I've ever done, hmm. you know? And I went through, because I smoked for like over 20 years and I smoked a lot. I mean, if I'm gonna do something, I'd do it, so. <laughs> Good girl. <laughs> yeah. Good. That's so smart. Right. Um, but so when I quit, it's like my whole body, my chemistry, my body chemistry went off and I was very emotional and I had my salon, I had my team to, be there for and I had to still be a leader and it was it was tough I went to the bathroom a lot and cried and you know it's just like <laughs> how am I gonna live through this you know but I was determined that and like I did it cold turkey so why was it important to you to quit <sighs> because I didn't want to have a monkey on my back I didn't want something that I was a slave to you mm -hmm. know it was that made me so mad that there was something that had control over me like that right. and I also didn't want the health problems that it could cause, you know, right. heart disease runs in my family and, you know, I was coughing all the time and, you know, then there's the whole like smelling like smoke thing and then there's the public shame of having to go outside and smoke outside and you're outside and it's like 40 degrees, you know, 40 below and it's snowing right. and you're out there like this total idiot smoking outside. This thing. Yeah. yeah. And I also like, it took me away from being present. Because I'd be doing something and, I'm, and all of you think it's, I got to go, I need to have a cigarette. I got to go have a cigarette. You know, so I would go like doing a show, prepping. We used to be able to smoke in the model room, you know, so like, and then I think, God, how could we do that to all those people who I didn't know. smoke? I know. Because I can't take it now, right. you know, but that's why I quit because I didn't want it on my back. I wanted to do it for health and I didn't want to be always thinking about doing something else than what I'm doing right now. I guess my bigger question to all of this is what's the sacrifice I mean, to be able to have 10 jobs, to receive the, the press, the accolades, and obviously there's a financial reward to the success that you've had, mm -hmm. and, but then there, there was a, a price that you paid. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so what's the advice that you have, you know, for people who want it all and who... 
you know, it's, I think it's very difficult to maintain a balance. And I don't know that I've ever actually achieved that. <laughs> and it's just part of my makeup. It's part of who my mentors were because that's how they are. And my advice would be to, you know, make sure you nurture your relationships with your friends. Like I was traveling so much for my period that I was working with Redkin that and I had a good base of friends and they're still my friends, but you know, they stopped inviting me to things because they just figured I wasn't there because right. I was on the road or whatever. And so I kind of, you know, that community of friends thing, I've also lived in a lot of different cities and it's easy to compartmentalize your life. You know, it's like, okay, I'm on the road now, now I'm coming home, now I'm, you know, going here. And wearing all those different hats, it, it is difficult, you know, and especially having a salon in the mix is, you know, my brain is in so many different places, you know, multitasking all the time. I think that you got I need to have something in my life that is like meditation or exercise. And if I don't exercise, then I start to get really nutty, you know, so you've got to be able to take care of yourself, you know, in order to endure all the different pressure and stress that all those different things can bring to your plate. So where you are today and what you know today. So if you were given advice to that 23 year old Ruth Roach mm -hmm. that many years ago, what's the advice that you would give? Two things I would say is I don't regret anything. Mm -hmm. You know, I have wonderful friends that you're one of my wonderful friends, people I know that I might not see, but you know, people that I know from doing all the work that I've done, those are my friends, mm -hmm. you know, and I work with my friends. So that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. It's not like you become a loser and have no friends. It's just that the traditional life of having this community that is your home base mm -hmm. sometimes isn't there. I had a hard time having meeting people, meeting guys, you know, because I just was always working. And I'm still kind of in that situation, you know? It's like, oops, I forgot to have children. Oh, my God, you know, what happened? So, you know, sometimes I, I think you're going to have to make choices. You're going to have to say no to things sometimes and look at what your priorities are, you know? And like the last year and a half or so, I've said no to a lot of things to my agent and like um, work things yes because when i have to do an educational event or my father he's 84 and he's mm. very healthy you know but i want to spend as much time as i can with him where does your and dad live he lives in napa california oh yeah that's not a bad place to be i hanging know out. i know so i'll block out like five days and say okay you can't book me or for anything here and i'll fly home and spend mm. time with my dad mm. you know so I never said no to anything. Mm -hmm. I think that's part of the reason where I got where I am. So that's an you advice. Know? Go for it. Yeah, just go for it. You said that, that there was two things. What was the other one? That um, you, the advice that you would give to that young Ruth Roach? Is to go for it, but also to nurture those relationships that you do have. Because when you're exhausted, the last thing you want to do sometimes is go out and be with friends and be social, right? Right. You know, so sometimes it's about pushing yourself to do that so you huh. maintain those relationships. I love what you were saying that your friends are the people that you work with. Yeah. That's the cool thing about our industry is that we love this. Yes. So it's not like we're all at dinner and we hated our lives right. from nine to five yeah. and that's what we have to talk about. Yeah. We love our lives. Yeah. We love what we're doing. And so the how we are in common is we're doing something that we love to do. Yeah. I, I had this woman say to me that she, she she's a hairdresser and her husband's a hairdresser. So they met and they were going to get married and work together. And mm -hmm. so she was asking her aunt, you know, is this a good thing? I'm going to mm -hmm. be working now with my husband. Mm -hmm. And the aunt was like, this is the best thing in the world. Most wives, you know, see their husband at the end of the day when he's tired and she's tired and they see the worst of each other. Right. You get to have the best of each other, you know, when you're at work in the middle of the day and you're yeah. both doing what you love to do. And that's when you get to see each other and hang out and be with each other. And so I think that's, you know, people have chosen this industry. It's, yeah. you, you do... You don't have to wait till five o'clock to then go love your life or have a life. Exactly. You know, and hours can go by where I'm still at the salon. I'm like, mm. what am I doing here still? Mm. How come it's nine o'clock? <laughs> Where's you know? my date? Why yeah. is he late? What the? And no. what's his name, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> I want to ask you about building a brand because uh, for a while you were under uh, Trevor Sorby's brand. Then you were under Redkin Fifth Avenue's brand. Mm -hmm. There was obviously a decision that you had to make. Because I'm sure it was a sweet life to be work under somebody else's brand. It was their responsibility. Yeah, they you, paid for everything. They paid for everything. Yeah. And you had to make a decision to break off from that and start your own brand, yeah. which I'm sure cut into your pocketbook a little bit, oh, as yeah. well as now all the responsibility falls on you. And there's not a PR department and an HR department and yeah. like you were used to. What was that like? 
Well, it was terrifying, and, and I, I actually started my academy off-site. I didn't have a salon yet, so I had a space. A oh, venue. that came first? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the first two years I did that, I had all this stuff in storage, and I rented a venue when Got I had it. classes. Got it. And my very first class was on September 11th, 2001. I remember that. Right? So I was expecting people to travel to New York, and of course, you know, that was a time when people stopped traveling, and they... So the first year of my academy, you know, I was really scared. I was like, oh my God, what have I done? I invested all this money. I left this, you know, great company to pursue my own thing. And yet all along still, I was I was working with Redken products and using Redken in my academy and, right. you know, still always, have always had a great relationship with Redken. And um, so, yeah, I invested a lot of money. I made some huge mistakes, you know, financially, you know, trusting certain people too much and um, just not having that support there and not knowing what I was getting into. On the other hand, if I knew, I might have been too scared to do it. So going back to what you said before of it's not necessarily a good thing to just jump, fire, and then aim, but there's positives to it too. But again, it's like really stressful. (laughs) So yeah, it was a whole different challenge. It was cool because to me, building my own business was like, building a haircut you know it was like a new creation and I'm very visual as far as what I want to see like my logo and the whole company name is my initials Ruth Ann Roach etc or whatever it was education but and I wanted it to be about the people the clients the hairdressers so I didn't put my name with it Mm -hmm. now I've changed it to rare and then very small I have by Ruth Roach so people know that it's my company and I still have my name with it, but it's still about rare, but it is my creation, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because most companies, if you look out there, besides the big brands, most people that have started their own thing, it's their name. It's their first and last name. You know, that is their product line, that's their salon or whatever. So it's a 24-hour thing for me. You know, I get ideas. I had an idea last night during Naha. And Rhonda, who's my marketing and education director, I turned to her and I went, blah, 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 I'll write that down, you know? And it's just like having, for me, it's fun. It's, mm-hmm. it's creative. Like, I love coming up with ideas. It's the executing of them and the discipline and all that that right. I hate it. Right. But you know you have to do it. Do you drive people crazy? Probably, Like, yeah. they, they just want you to turn it off and sit yeah. still? Yeah, I know. I had one of those heart-to-hearts with my staff once, and in a very nice way, they said, you know... We're going over this way. Okay, now we're going over here. Now, okay, now we're going over there, you know, and, and because that's how I process things and that's how I create and that's not how everybody is. So I do think sometimes I drive, I'm very intense, you know, and I'll get going on a project and I'll get everyone involved, you know, and they love doing it, but sometimes my concept of time is really bad, you know, like how long something is going to take me. I'm like, oh, I think I'll make a full feature-length film tonight, Right. you know? But I love that about myself, too, because I just go for it, you know? So if you were giving advice to somebody who says that they just kind of feel stuck, they feel like they're in a rut, uh, they're bored, Mm -hmm. there's no creativity, what inspiration or what ideas would you give them to find inspiration? Is it looking through magazines? Is it enrolling in an education class? Is it, you know, study architecture? Is it all of the above or what, like what works for you? Well, what works for me is being around people. Like, for example, I sat in on your class with the Beacon students today and I was a student in your, you know, seminar and I got inspired, you know, I got inspired by listening to someone who is inspiring and I was like, oh, yeah, I do do that. Mm-hmm. Or, yes, I have been in that space, and that's my choice. I need to change my choice and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So learning how to um, do different things from people and putting myself in a situation to be uncomfortable sometimes, you know, and reaching out and letting people see your vulnerability so that you can get help. And I mean help like as in, you know what, you're not crazy, you're not alone. You know, it is hard to do whatever it is that we're doing. I think magazines are good, but it's good if you do it with someone else. Have a buddy, you know, someone else in the salon say, hey, let's just, you know, look through these things and see. It might have nothing to do with hair, like how we do it at our salon. 
is as a team, everybody brings all these tear sheets that they've ripped out of magazines, and it could be jewelry that they like, it could be lighting, it could be a word on the page, it could be hair, it could be clothing, it could mm -hmm. be anything. Anything that they're drawn to, they just rip it out. That's the assignment, mm -hmm. anything. And then we sit, you know, kind of in a semicircle, and I sit to where I'm sort of the gatherer of the tear sheets, mm -hmm. and each person will say, you know, I pick, they'll put it on the floor, I pick this picture out because I like that. I picked just this one because of that. I kind of like the tree in the background here. You know, and they just start putting out their tear sheets in groups, and the next person will go, and so on and so on. And I'll start to say, okay, I see a trend happening here, you know? Or how about if we took that tree and it became a sectioning pattern for this color technique that you have over here in your pile? Hmm. You know, and we start, because we have classes to facilitate, we need to come up with not only new things to do, but ways of doing those things, hmm. you know, and methods and techniques. So we, we pull inspiration from all those different areas. And so mm. someone's going to pull something that you didn't because they're drawn to it. So I find that very inspiring, mm. you know? And so then I, you know, we take all of those ideas and come up with like, usually there's about three different themes that come out of it. And, um, well, these people we, that you work with, these are also, they're the stylists in your salons, but they're also the ones who help facilitate the education that you do. Yeah. I have, um, one of them actually teaches with me, and okay. the others are support trainers, okay. um, or they're doing, I call it the audiovisual, but really it's, we take pictures of everything and print them out for the students okay. to take home. That's cool. Um, so there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that goes on, and that's my new people, that's their responsibility. They need to attend every class for the first mm -hmm. year mm -hmm. that they're with my company. So. so give us an idea of what an academy looks like. So if I'm going to sign up for a class with you. Is it a one day? Is it a three day? Is it, what does it look like? Most of the classes, all of them are now two days. I okay. used to have three days and two days, but I pared it down to two days just because of a lot of people can't take those many days right. off. And my focus is cutting and we do have a class that's cut and color. Mm -hmm. And just like everything else in life, it's a trial and error. I've, I've had classes that worked really well that I've kept. I've had some classes that people didn't sign up for. This year I had a class that was just color. And guess what the name of it was? What? Just color. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I'm not known as a colorist. So people came, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the usual kind of thing. So anyway, if we did, I'm not going to have that one again. Okay. Yeah. It's called not color. Okay. <laughs> But for now, you know, our main classes are, there's three two-day classes. One is advanced haircutting. So it's all about kind of what I was just saying about the tear sheets, those kind of ways of thinking and helping people to think that way about hair so that when they leave the class, they have like a million ideas instead of two haircuts, Got it. you know. And then we have cut and color, which is, you know, quick color techniques that'll go with two different haircuts. And we do two looks a day for two days. And then we have in shape, which is classic precision haircutting. Okay. So it kind of feeds like three different, you know, groups of people or th three different areas of training that people would like to attend. And these all happen in your facility there in New York? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And we take uh, 12 people maximum. Um, and I usually have myself another trainer and I'm at every single class and I work one-on-one -on -one with everybody. It's very small. It's very light and fun. You know, we laugh a lot, we move around a lot, we don't sit for too long. You know, there's a lot of back and forth because I know I, I have, a, you know, 12 seconds and I'm like looking out the window. So <laughs> I get it, you know? <laughs> right. So. When you get burned out, what gets you there? You're working too much, you're tired, you're bored. What, what, when you get burned out, what went wrong? What went wrong is I didn't rest. I didn't turn it off, you know? I had one of those periods recently right. where I, I was working like 15 hours a day, doing clients all day long, doing the bills at night, right. like doing everything like I did in the very beginning. And so not only was I working like a maniac and trying to answer emails and do, you know, all the stuff that myself and one other person used to do, right. having two new people working at the front desk and also feeling like I was getting, going backwards that I wasn't, you know, moving forwards because I was going back to doing everything again, which made me feel like I didn't have time to do anything mm. new or create. So I had the actual stress of not taking care of myself physically mm -hmm. and then the mental B 
beating up of you yeah, you yeah, you know look where you are you're upstairs doing bills everyone else is out having fun right. you know <laughs> and that whole beat yourself up you're a loser thing right. so between those two things I got really really sad you know right. and so I reach out to friends I have like three really really good friends that know me really well and I try to sleep I watch mm. CSI reruns mm. you know and um, America's Next Top Model mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and just kind of try to shut my mind up because right. for me that's the main thing is, is ruminating and thinking about how I could have done this differently and what am I going to do about that and things that I have no control over until it happens so it's exhausting I've asked, you know? that, I've asked that question of, of a couple of people and the, and the cool thing is nobody ever said that they got bored with haircutting right. not, they, they got bored with doing clients yeah it's just that they didn't rest they didn't yeah. stop yeah they didn't turn it off yeah and do fun things yeah i just took two days off in chicago and one of my best friends lives there and we didn't do anything hmm. we had no agenda i went hmm. shopping i don't ever do that kind of stuff so huh. and i feel rested i feel good huh. i'm smiling i told you george yeah. forces me on sundays i can't go to the gym yeah and basically i take three naps like why am i so tired because every other day I'm like just going, going, going. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't want to not go to the gym. But of course, no, I'm just sleeping all day. Right. Which feels great. Yep. <laughs> I have those marathons too where I've gone. And this probably, you know, it doesn't happen that often. But I'll go home from work on a Saturday night. Mm-hmm. And I'll fall asleep. And I'll sleep until like Sunday night. I mean, I'll get up and get something to drink. And that's it. Right. It's like I'm in a coma. Yeah. You know? So, you know, my advice to myself and other people like me and you is to just like try to do a little resting on a daily basis meaning even if you're just resting your brain you know and stop working at some point you mentioned earlier that you would like to uh get more involved in working with students going Mm -hmm. into beauty schools because i was telling you that uh yosha's goal to hit 200 beauty schools i love that i love that i love yosh he's so great yeah i'm like would you ever come to my salon he goes no i just want to go to schools (laughs) He shot you down. He totally did. <laughs> but he's so cute. I was like, oh, okay. Can I have a hug? You know? I love wow. that. Yeah. You know, he, he's like, no, I don't really do that. I just go to schools and, you know, I love that. That's really cool. I have to point this out, though, is that I, and I think most people that know me know this, is that I never look at myself as being successful, really. I'm always like, oh, I could have done this or, you know, my salon isn't busy enough or, or whatever, you know. Oh, yeah, I went not have it. That doesn't make me, you know, anybody more important than the next person. And it doesn't really. Right. But last night we all had to line up all the past winners and we all walked out on stage at the beginning of the show one mm-hmm. at a time. Mm-hmm. And I'm in this line of like all these amazing hairdressers and I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. It's like I don't ever give myself credit or celebrate what I've done you know, and what I've created. And so I was just sitting there going, oh my God, you know, could you just stop thinking for a minute and look at where you are, you know? And I've been doing this for 25 years. Mm-hmm. And then I was, cause I've spent so much time focusing on the salon the last few years. I haven't been out doing as many shows. Mm-hmm. And so I got to MC some of the awards last night. And, um, you know, people said to me afterwards, oh my God, you were great. Oh my God, you know, and it was just nice to have that recognition. But also, you know, I looked at the tribute to Vivian and I was talking to Joan Harrison from Canadian the Hairdresser last night. And, and these people put me in the category of Vivian McKinder, Trevor Sorby, you know, Antoinette Beenders, uh, James Morrison. And I'm hanging out at the bar with these people and I'm like, I am one of these people. Hmm. You know what I mean? And I, I actually got really emotional this morning in the shower about it, you know. I'm going to get emotional now because I was just, I'm just like, okay, so what do you want? You know, when are you going to realize that you are successful? So I'm saying that because I think people look at someone who has become, you know, some of the things they want to do and they think, you know, that you have all this confidence or whatever. And, um, and I've been going back to the whole student thing and like last year I did a, a, a show where I was bringing my protege, right? 
And so I'm like, what do they think I'm old? Are they calling me a hag? You know, I'm like <laughs> doing all this stuff. I'm not done yet. You know, why are they putting me onto pasture and saying things like the next generation and those kind of things? And I, I was looking at it as almost as, well, I'm done. They want, you know, it's time for me to move on out. And it was my perception Nothing. that was making me sad. It was my perception. And last night I was like, and, and recently, you know, with the students I went to see in Orlando, it's like, that's not a bad thing. It's a good thing, you know? And when I was had this realization, like, oh my God, I'm in this group of people and that's a great thing. You know, I don't have to keep proving myself here, you know, to me. But I, that doesn't mean I can rest on my laurels either, but it was just a really amazing, this trip. And for you to ask me to do this at this time, I was just like, this is cool, you know, very cool. So thank you. <laughs> You're adorable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm crazy. Oh, you make us laugh. You make us cry. It's like just a good episode of Golden Girls. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to my dad the other day, and um, you know, because I had been going through a few rough weeks, and so I was talking to him every night. And I said, Dad, you know, you should be on Oprah. And he goes, Well, we'll have another episode tomorrow. I'll call you and. <laughs> You know, he's just adorable. Oh, you he's, love dads. I do. I do. So. So uh, what's your future then? I don't know. What's your future in the next year? Where, where do you see yourself in, you know, 10, 15, 20 years? Well, you know, it's funny when people ask that question, it's like, oh, maybe I should think about that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I'm just like, dun, 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 in the Flintstones car going. Right. Um in the next year, I'm gonna. I plan on getting more into education again, out and about on the road, and um, I really want to focus on systems and the training program in my salon. Hmm. Really, really focusing on that, fine tuning it, getting it in place, and setting it in motion, and and having someone who's dedicated to administering that, keeping it going, and following up and. So until I actually get it in place and get that person trained, it's not going to happen the way that I see it happening. So that really has to be a focus of mine. And that to me is learning how I need the time to think and work on those kind of things just as much as I need to be standing there doing hair. Like it's, it's work also. Hmm. And I always think, oh, well, when I get off work tonight, I'll do some brainstorming or whatever. And that's why I end up working so hmm. many hours because that's the time I think I'm going to get it done in. And I'm like, I don't want to do this. And then I feel sorry for myself. <laughs> and then I'm exhausted again. No. Can we get dad on the phone? I'm, I don't know if I can handle this on my own. <laughs> I think it's been a couple of years since you and I connected, but mm -hmm. it's, just, it's just always like consistent. Mm -hmm. Like I just know that when I hook up with Ruth, it's going to be fun. It's going to be informational. You know, you're just still the same person that you were when I got to meet you over, you know, 10 years ago, mm. you know, and that's just so refreshing. People who enter this industry and they, and they do get the press and they get the money and they get all the accolades and they do the celebrities, but they attach a lot of ego to that. Mm -hmm. They're, they're gone. Mm -hmm. They're gone with, they're lucky if they last 10 years Yeah. because there's just no place for that. But then it's those people like, and we saw a lot of them last night, you know, we saw those who been around for a very long period of time but they're still producing the brilliance they're still you know creative they still love what they do yeah but they're the most you know humble fun approachable people yeah so like do you have to work at being approachable or is no. it just no no so I think that there's two gifts so here's my philosophy on this one it's, tell me if you agree there's two gifts one is the gift of the talent so it's the skill that you have the eye, you have the creativity, and you're brilliant. That's the first gift. And some people got that gift from God or whatever you mm -hmm. want to call it. But there's a second gift, and the second gift is the gift of humility attached to that skill. Where you realize, I, I got the skill, I've got the gift of creativity, but it didn't really come from me. It's not really about me. Right. I just get to play with it and, and access it and use it. And the purpose of that is so that other people can be inspired too. Right. And some people didn't get that second gift. Yeah. So it doesn't mean that they can't develop the gift of humility where right. they keep themselves in check because I think that people can and people do. Maybe you just got both gifts. Right. I don't know. Oh, you know what too? When someone approaches me, like a, a stylist or a student, you know, at one of the schools or whatever, 
and they're like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm talking. You know, like they're all like that. And I'm just like, I can't believe I'm talking to you. You know what I mean? Like I am honored when somebody wants to take their picture with me or, you know, they have a question or they want advice. Like I remember when I was in Australia doing a hands-on workshop and I was so stressed out and, and, you know, it was like a two hour hands-on workshop. That's like, you know, blink, it's over. So I wanted to give them as much as possible. And we had like tables with the clamp-on mannequin stands. They're all kneeling on the floor doing this haircut that I designed, you know, in my wackiness. And they're all on the floor, kneeling down, doing this haircut that came out of my brain. And I'm just like, and they're all like so excited to be there. And I'm like, I hope they like it. You know, like, and I'm walking around and they're so excited to talk to me. And I am overwhelmed. Like, I just want to cry when that happens because I'm like, it's just me, you know. And all these people paid to be here and they're on their knees cutting violas, you know. And I am really humbled by that, like that, big that, time. That's just uh, such a better way of learning from somebody who has that approach as to, opposed to, you know, lucky them, they get to, you know, be on their knees doing my haircut. Right. Good for you. <laughs> well, I that sit didn't come on out all that well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, do you have a final message for our listeners, Ruth? This is your life. You know, and you get to do what you want with it. You get to create it the way that you want it to be. And I think that I never like put it in that kind of words before, like throughout my life. But I always kind of I was always a dreamer. So if you have a dream, no matter what your dream is, you know, there's no reason why you can't do that. You know, there's no reason because if I can do it, right, tripping and falling in front of celebrities at a set, knocking down, you know, a ten thousand dollar light. In the Chinese restaurant photo shoot. Right. <laughs> and I could have a salon in New York City and start with no clients and I'm still open mm-hmm. and doing well. Mm-hmm. If I can get an agent in New York City and do really cool stuff, it's just, if I can do that, anyone can do it wherever they are, whatever it is they want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just being patient. I think sometimes we want to have things like right away and that's normal, you know, but I've been doing this for 25 years and it didn't take 25 years for me to get some cool things going on, but I just always strive to be better at what I was doing, mm. you know, and I learned that from Trevor and from Vivian mm. in that it's about just focus on your craft, you know, be nice, <laughs> as you say, you know, reach out to people, get to know people, offer to help people, you know, that's the biggest way to get some of the things you want is help people get what they want, mm. you know. Just be present. Keep your eyes open for the opportunities. And like you said, I love that. Just always say yes. Like Mm -hmm. Obama. Just Mm -hmm. say yes. We Mm -hmm. say yes. So that would be my advice. And have balance. (laughs) (laughs) And let me know how you do it when you find out. (laughs) Yeah. Send me that book. Again, just so much fun to hang out with you. I'm just so proud. Exciting to know that you were going to be here last night. And then to see you on stage all last night, too. That was pretty cool, too. Glad that you're still making a difference in the industry. Thank you so much, Wynn. Thank you. you. Mwah. Love you too.